This episode of Rua Storytellers podcast is brought to you by Catholic Family Crate, offering monthly crates as well as crates for Lent and Advent. Each crate contains fun and beautiful catechetical activities for the whole family. Rua listeners can have 10% off at checkout using the code RUA, and this offer runs from March 30th to April 11th. Thank you, listeners, for supporting this incredible Catholic business. Here is today's story. Alyssa Molina loves being a wife and mom. Her family of seven lives just outside of Austin, Texas, where in between packing lunches and finding matching socks, (laughs) she thinks a lot about how to become a saint by loving well. Alyssa is passionate about Catholic social teaching, youth ministry, and building community. She loves to give presentations and speak on a wide range of topics and was recently a guest on the popular podcast, The Catholic Feminist. Listeners, we ask that you sit with us, pray with us, and learn with us as we listen to Alyssa's story of faith on our shared journey to the cross. I slammed the flaps down on each side of the loaded up truck, carefully locking the handle so as to keep all the goods firmly inside. This was, after all, no ordinary truck, specifically built with special compartments to keep toiletries, clothing, and winter caps on one side, and fruit, yummy snacks, freshly made sandwiches, and cold drinks on the other. This was a mobile loaves and fishes truck. Mobile loaves and fishes, or MLF for short, was the closest thing I had ever seen to love manifested on a grand scale. The dream of Alan Graham, a man who, by his own account, went from being sort of a ho-hum church fella to an all-in love-your-neighbor kind after attending a powerful retreat, began MLF as just a man taking sack lunches to a group living at a homeless camp. It's now morphed into a true multiplication of loaves and fishes, having served more than five and a half million meals via a fleet of these miraculous food trucks on wheels. This day I beamed with self-satisfaction as I directed a group of teens from our parish youth group on their first ever MLF truck run. The day was crisp and cool and the blue skies and bright sun gave us a welcome respite from a long stretch of dreary winter days. We prepared sandwiches together, loaded goods, prayed for the people we would encounter and for ourselves that we would be God's hands and feet. And then we all piled into the truck. It's a beautiful day to love our neighbors, I thought as I hoisted myself into the driver's seat of a truck packed to the brim with both goods and nervous teens. The truck was virtually silent as we pulled out of the church parking lot. No teen chatter, no low hum of anticipation, nothing. I explained that there was no need to be nervous, that I'd picked three places on the citywide MLF map that I was well accustomed to. We'd first visit two motels that mainly housed a motley crew of day laborers and homeless men and women who happened to scrape enough together to stay the night. 
And then we'd move on to a set of apartments that house the working poor. All the places would be less than three miles from our parish. We finished the first two stops relatively quickly, handing out smiles along with toothbrushes, sack lunches, socks, and shampoo. As we made our way to the final stop, the teens finally began to break out of their shells a bit and began to share a few tidbits of information like where they attended school and the plans they had for later in the day. When we pulled up to the final stop, we were all in great spirits. I had no way of knowing that my idea of what it is to love my neighbor was about to drastically change. I had no idea that in a matter of moments, I would have an exchange that would expose my self-righteousness and self-serving love of neighbor so radically that it would forever change the path of love I would take. We hopped out and the teens went about serving the young children, mothers, grandmothers, uncles, and brothers who swarmed the truck. As the number of people standing to be served began to dwindle, I passed a woman on her way toward the clothing and toiletry side of the truck. I decided that I would walk across the street to the dumpster. I whipped out my phone and pointed it down at the ground looking for the piece of ground that told the most evident tale of a forgotten community. The beer bottles and discarded diapers, the leftover charcoal and shards of glass, it made my blood boil. This would never be acceptable in other sections of our city, I thought, ceremoniously. So I clicked a picture intent on posting it later on Instagram with the right amount of rage, just enough piety so that people knew I had been out that day loving my neighbor with teens no less thank you very much. And that's when it happened. The woman who I did not serve the woman that I did not love. The woman who I left in favor of taking a picture yelled across the street. Are you taking a picture of our trash? Why are you doing that? Stunned, embarrassed, and ashamed, I did the one thing I could muster. I lied. Uh, 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 no, ma'am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just sending a text. Mm hmm. She shot back and walked away. I shoved the phone quickly back in my pocket and helped the teens take stock of the goods we had left. There is enough to make a couple to go bags to pass out at stoplights and under bridges on the way back to church, I instructed. Let's load up and head home. Thankfully, the teen chatting only increased after this third stop and I was able to keep my focus on keeping my tears in check. I played the scene over and over in my head. Didn't I know after all these years that love of neighbor looks more like encounter than a handout? Didn't I believe what I made sure to explain to the teens before we even drove off our parking lot? That the most important thing we would do that day would be to be with God's people to look our neighbors in the eye and be human together, to be beloved together. What in the world was wrong with me? It took just under 10 minutes to get back to the neighborhood of neatly manicured lawns situated around our parish. We quickly and efficiently unloaded the few dry items and ice bins. 
We wiped down the shelves and did closing prayer, and the kids disappeared into their parents' cars. As the last car sped away, burning hot tears flooded my eyes. My heart had been bruised and busted open, and I had myself to blame. I sat defeated and ashamed on the curb in front of the truck. A heavy cloak of hypocrisy hung around my shoulders. But Jesus was there too. I told him how sorry I was, how very sorry I was for having made the love of his people about me and about my ego and my self-importance. He didn't really let me off the hook. This memory is singed into my heart and mind. To this very day, I can see the woman's face, feel the cool winter air. I can hear the giggles of children in the streets as they ran to receive what we had to offer. The memory is acute and shame fresh each time. It is a gift, really. A gift from the neighbor woman. A gift from my Jesus. The gift is in the remembering that before I can be his hands and his feet, I must be his heart, his heart for his people, his heart to see them, to know them, to be with them, to love them and be loved by them. I am to forever remember to move first and always with his heart. Carol Houselander. By your heaviness and fear in Gethsemane, comfort the oppressed and those who are afraid. By your loneliness facing the passion while the apostles slept, comfort those who face evil alone while the world sleeps. By your persistent prayer in anguish of anticipation, strengthen those who shrink from the unknown. By your humility, Lord, taking the comfort of angels, give us grace to help and to be helped by one another and in one another. 
to comfort you, Jesus Christ. Amen.